Hey guys, we have an incredible podcast coming your way. We're going to teach you exactly how to look great, feel strong at your ideal body weight. How? By teaching you about the latest innovations and the discoveries about hormones, the herbs, the natural approaches that will help you to optimize your stem cells, your mitochondria. Please stay tuned. This is a show you must listen to. And uh, I want to jump right into one of my favorite speakers, Dr. John McDougall, when I think he explained it so, so well in terms of his research and work with meeting with Dr. Roy Swank, who I first heard about Dr. Roy Swank when I was working with Nathan Pritikin back in 1978. diseases, multiple sclerosis, arthritis, Hashimoto's disease. There are several autoimmune diseases that I believe have certain things in common. And what you're seeing on the screen, for those of you watching me on the video or listening to me on iTunes or Spotify, on the screen, I'm showing an actual drop of blood with a lot of activity. The white blood cell right here. There's some candida fungus, there's microbes, there's little fatty particles, red blood cells that are starting to disintegrate. And this is from a drop of blood of an individual who's been diagnosed uh, with cancer who has battled leukemia and um, is now looking to improve his lifestyle. I have to say that when you look under a microscope, you can learn a lot about an individual and also it's very important to understand the impact that diet and exercise and well-being. But I think there's some certain factors that we know in common related to diet, hormones, the region of the world that you live, which I think influences your diet, which has the bigger impact, not just vitamin D, which is important as well. So we're going to jump to uh, the next section uh, of this talk. And uh, I want to jump right into one of my favorite speakers, Dr. John McDougall, when I think he explained it so, so well in terms of his research and work with meeting with Dr. Roy Swank, who I first heard about Dr. Roy Swank when I was working with Nathan Pritikin back in 1978. Uh, this is a rare footage of John McDougall, and I think you're going to appreciate his enthusiasm, passion, and his ability to deduct information based on observation around the world and of his patients, and a review of the medical literature. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. People around the equator eat starch-based diets, rice, corn, potatoes, beans, peas, lentils, and as you move north and south, they rely more upon animal foods. Now you see that here. There's the worldwide uh, consumption of meat. The same pattern as multiple sclerosis. Here's the worldwide consumption of dairy products. Same pattern as multiple sclerosis. Excuse me, folks. It's the food. Yeah, that's why people get this disease and heart disease and diabetes and obesity and so on. It's the food. Okay. He is making a very clear, direct assertion. He's asserting that during, around the equator, people eat mostly high-complex carbohydrate, less animal product, they're less wealthy, they're eating what he terms as starch, I'll call it complex carbohydrate, resistant starch carbohydrates, much lower in fat, 
by their very nature because they're unprocessed. And what he's saying is a vast majority of the diseases, heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, autoimmune diseases, and we'll go deeper into neurological diseases, specifically multiple sclerosis, and I think I agree with Dr. John McDougall. But I also believe there's some other factors we can do to support our way to well-being, and that involves the seven pillars of health. But let's, let's go back to this discussion. It's not diet and lifestyle, and I want to make that absolutely clear. It is not diet and lifestyle. It's the food. And it is a distraction when people talk about diet and lifestyle. They talk about diet and lifestyle, so that says to the person who's listening, well, I don't really have to deal with the diet. I'll deal with the lifestyle. I'll do a little extra walking. What else? Get a little less stress. No, no. It's the diet. It's the diet. It's the food. All right, let me talk to you about how autoimmune diseases occur. Uh, to get an autoimmune disease, uh, have you thought about autoimmune diseases? Uh okay, so as he states, it's the food. And he's going to go into very clear detail about this. And I, again, I believe it's the best explanation of the relationship of the gut, autoimmune diseases, uh, the probability that the body is going to react and attack itself. And much like under this microscope test, we see certain white blood cells in the background. They're starting to break apart, although they're trying to do their job to consume candida and funguses and microbes. When they're overwhelmed with fat in the background, it thickens the blood and the blood cannot deliver enough oxygen and we start having problems. And then if we look at the type of protein, that's going to be explained very clearly. The proteins that come from dairy particularly casein, dairy whey, and so forth. Here, let's, let's jump in. This is very important to understand, and I think it'll be very clear to you after the next segment as we proceed. Uh, in the past, uh, well, I remember thinking about autoimmune diseases myself, and what I was taught, probably in high school, certainly in medical school, is this is a situation where the body attacks itself. Autoimmune disease, the body attacks itself. And I would think, how stupid is the body to attack itself? Why would it do that? It doesn't make any sense for the body to attack itself. Well, the reason it attacks itself is, is a consequence of injury to the body. And I'll show you how I believe it works in the scientific research is solid supporting this mechanism, and probably most of you know this already. The first thing you have to do to get the body to attack itself is you have to damage the barrier between the body and the outside world. And the connection between the outside world and the inside of the body is with a one layer cell, one layer of cells in the gut. It's a single layer. What you find, here you have the intestinal contents. That's where the partially digested food throws through the gut. And to get into the body, you have to go through this one cell layer, this one layer of cells, single layer of cells. And once it goes through this single layer of cells that you see right here, then whatever nutrients or other substances get through the single layer of cells, now it's in the body, it can be picked up by the veins and carried throughout the rest of the body, but it has to go past this one barrier. And this barrier is very smart. This gut barrier is so smart that it can distinguish between harmful proteins like those in viruses and bacteria and necessary proteins that the body absorbs to supply its protein needs. It can make that distinction. That cell layer is so smart 
that it can increase nutrient intake based upon its needs. Well, let's take a nutrient for example. Iron, some of you learned this in medical school and dietetic school, that when you're iron deficient, say you had a bleeding problem, what happens is the gut gets very aggressive at absorbing iron and picks up extra iron from the gut and meets the iron needs. Now, that's important to get extra iron in, but what if your iron's sufficient? What do you have plenty of iron in the body? And you eat a diet with plenty of iron in it, sufficient iron, and you have sufficient iron in the body, the gut has to make a decision to keep that excess iron out of the body because if it allowed it in, what would happen is you'd get iron deposits throughout the body, a condition called hemochromatosis, your spleen and liver would get very sick and you would die. So that one cell layer makes that discrimination. That one cell layer also discriminates, for example, with calcium. If you eat a lower calcium diet, and there's no such thing as a too low calcium diet, you know that, right? Now, there's never been a case of dietary calcium deficiency ever reported on any natural diet ever in the world. In other words, nobody's developed a disease ever due to too little calcium in their diet under any natural circumstances. That's because there's plenty of calcium in the food, in oranges, rice, corn, it's loaded with calcium. I mean, you can build horses and elephants with that amount of calcium. So what happens is the body makes a decision with that one cell layer to absorb sufficient calcium to meet its calcium needs. If you do things that may seem foolish to this audience, and that is you take calcium pills or drink glassfuls of milk, what happens is that one cell layer makes a decision to keep that extra calcium out of the body. If it wasn't able to make that discrimination, that extra calcium would go into the body. You develop soft tissue calcification, your kidneys, your heart, other organs would become calcified and you'd die. Okay, the point being is this is a very important barrier that makes some decisions, unconsciously of course, that protect us and keep us in good health. If this layer gets damaged, then what happens is we get into a situation where things get into the body that aren't supposed to be in the body. You develop a leaky gut. You've heard that term, leaky gut. All right, you develop a leaky gut. Okay, so this part that he's talking about is really important. Leaky gut. And we're going to explain that here shortly because when certain, what all determine, uh, define as foreign proteins from certain foods, particularly animal products, they'll be viewed as invaders as they cross through the gut into the general circulation and your body starts forming antibodies. Now this is fascinating because it also ties into viruses, microbes, and of course we're dealing with a worldwide pandemic right now. So I really want you to be clear about what is being explained here. This is absolutely essential to follow along. Once you have passed the barriers of the body, say the respiratory cells that has a layer of discrimination or, or the GI cells that I just showed you with a layer of discrimination, once this something gets into the body that's not supposed to be there, the body launches its second defense, which is the immune system. Like for example, you've got a virus that gets through your respiratory tract or your GI tract. It gets through this one cell layer of discriminating cells and now it's floating around the blood, what the body has to do now is deal with that foreign substance, in this case proteins, the viral coat proteins. So the next line of defense is the body, the body produces antibodies. Its lymphocytes produce antibodies that are directed to that particular 
protein, foreign protein that got in the body, in this case a virus. And the antibody response is very specific. These antibodies produced by the lymphocytes are very specific to deal with this sequence of amino acids and this viral coat of this particular protein. It's like a lock and key. This is why uh, influenza vaccines are so ineffective, is when you get flu shots, you're given, a, you're given proteins from viruses that attacked people last year, the year before, the year before that. And uh, these proteins that are given to you in your flu shots, they induce antibody production specific to those particular viruses that occurred in those particular past seasons. But we don't know whether or not the next virus is going to be one of the past. If it's a new virus, what happens is there's no protection from the flu vaccine. All right, the point I'm trying to make... Okay, did you follow that? That was very critical. A distinction that points out that when certain genetic combinations, in the case of the, the flu uh, vaccine, he's saying you develop antibodies to that particular strain and not to any new or variants, and the variants occur rapidly, literally on an ongoing basis. There's literally millions of combinations that can occur. It's virtually impossible to create enough different vaccines to meet the variants. But let's go back to the autoimmune diseases because that's the main uh, focus here. So let's stay, stay on track here. This is a lock and key type of relationship. You get a foreign protein into the bloodstream, the body makes antibodies specific to that particular sequence of amino acids on that particular protein, so it can destroy the virus. Other foreign proteins get in the body besides viruses and bacteria and so on. Food protein, if you have a leaky gut, like beef protein, can get into the bloodstream. So now you've got a foreign protein floating around the blood, beef. The body recognizes this as foreign, like a virus coat or a bacteria cell wall, and it makes antibodies to that beef protein. Very specific, those antibodies, to that particular sequence of amino acids on that particular beef protein or pork protein or dairy protein. Dairy protein gets into the body. The body gets through that gut, that leaky gut. The body makes antibodies to the dairy protein, attacks that foreign protein in the bloodstream, and gets rid of that foreign protein like it would a virus, et cetera. All right, the problem occurs here. This is how you get autoimmune diseases. Is in the effort to defend itself against these foreign proteins, the body makes antibodies that attack the milk protein, but they're not just specific to the milk protein. They cross-react with proteins in our own body. It's a process called molecular mimicry. Molecular, molecules, mimicry, copy. The body produces antibodies against this foreign protein milk, but it finds similar sequences of amino acids on the human tissues in the body. And so because of this cross-reactivity, it's trying to attack the milk, but it finds similar sequences of amino acids on other tissues, like, for example, the pancreas. And as a result, looking for these foreign proteins, this cow milk protein, it finds similar sequences of amino acids on, in this case, the beta cells of the pancreas that produce insulin. And these antibodies specifically produced to deal with this sequence of amino acids finds the same sequence of amino acids that's found on dairy in the beta cells of the pancreas. This, by the way, was published in 1992 in the New England Journal of Medicine. He's describing the actual cause 
of diabetes, type 1 diabetes, where the body first exposed to animal proteins such as beef or milk, it identifies that sequence, it then creates antibodies to match that amino acid pattern, and then it attacks not just the foreign protein as it views because we really weren't intended to consume the amount of animal product and dairy product that most Westerners eat. Now, again, remember the incidence of autoimmune diseases and cardiovascular disease in the equator area, the hot regions where people eat mostly starch foods, plant-based foods that get their plant-based proteins, they don't have near the incidence. And, and yet, in the countries where we eat the most amount of animal products, these antibodies that the body produces attacks the pancreas. So you can't then produce sufficient insulin to, protect, to, to push sugar into the cells and you develop insulin-dependent sugar diabetes. Or we start attacking the joints and we develop rheumatoid arthritis. Or the uh, antibodies attack various cells and cause inflammation throughout the body. What is the incidence, by the way, of attacks on the nerves, multiple sclerosis? Let, uh, I, I, I want to frame this around because it's, it's a scary uh, uh, finding. And here, I'm, I'm going to show you right now the number of people who have MS, 1 million people in the United States, and about 2.5 million worldwide. Now, in the journal Neurology 2019, this has since been updated to the year uh, 2020, but the incidence continues to grow, but also the amount of processed foods, dairy, fro dairy product, and meat consumed continues to increase. So, as you get further away from the equator, we also <laughs> take in more meat, cheese, eggs, and dairy product going north. As we get further south towards the equator, we're more on a plant-based diet. Also, there's more sunshine. It can't be genetics because the same genetic race will migrate from uh, the, the areas of those regions and come to the western area. And where they apparently had no MS, now we have a very high incidence of MS. So let's face it, 1 million people in the United States today have nerve damage. The myelin sheath, the myelin sheath is, a, is damaged. That's kind of the insulation of the nerve fibers. And this is necessary, this myelin sheath, because it protects the electrical signal that travels along from the nerve fiber from the brain to the rest of the body. And the symptoms become numbness, tingling, muscle spasms, walking difficulties, pain. And symptoms first appear between the ages of 20 and 50. And yet, the disease can even occur in the uh, in, in children and the elderly. And, and get this, women are three times more likely to develop MS than men. It's, it's truly shocking, and the incidence is so high. We're going to go back and again delve deeper into this whole story about MS and autoimmune diseases and how they actually start to attack. But on the bright side, I'm going to give you some solutions that I truly believe in my 44-year career history that we have come across 
that can profoundly slow, possibly even reverse most of these autoimmune diseases, and live a normal, healthy life. And remind me to tell you about Dr. Rory Swank's studies on identical twins, one group on a high-fat diet during the course of their life, the other group on a very low-fat, well-designed, plant-based diet, and I want you to even guess the results. I think you can. Here we go. They identified 17 amino acids in a sequence that's present on beta casein and also present on the surface cells of the insulin-producing cells of the pancreas. So what happens is a child, usually a child, in fact, half the people who get type 1 diabetes are under 18, half are older 18. What happens is um, the person consumes the cow milk. Because the gut is injured, because that one lining is injured, what happens is that cow milk protein can get into the body. The body makes antibodies to that cow milk protein. Those antibodies are not specific. They cross-react through a process of molecular mimicry. They find the same sequence of amino acids on the insulin-producing cells of the pancreas. That's how you get type 1 diabetes. Now, how did that cell, layer of cells get injured? It gets injured by the typical American diet. It gets injured by environmental chemicals. It gets injured by viruses. It gets injured by drugs, like non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. And what happens is it injures that one cell layer. That one cell layer goes from here to here. One cell layer. You, you can recognize this. Just remember the time you drank a hot drink and you burnt the inside of your mouth. And you looked inside and you saw this denuded area of cells. That's that one cell layer. It hurt terrible, worse than you ever expected from just that little burn. But you've lost that single layer of cells. And these cells, they become denuded, ineffective, you develop the leaky gut. And that's caused by various things that we come in contact. And I do want to mention there's one other common condition which is talked about a lot these days, and that's celiac disease. Okay, so what we understand now is that this single cell lining that protects and is inherent within your gut, if that gets damaged due to these antibodies that have been produced due to foreign proteins, your body thinking that these are invaders, your body starts destroying that lining of the gut, and we get leaky gut, and so certain foods travel through and past that, that gut barrier. This is a problem because then it potentiates. It gets worse and worse. And Dr. McDougall made the point, have you ever like drank something too hot and it burned your mouth? Because that single cell lining exposed now nerves and other sensitive tissue and it hurt. Well, imagine the gut constantly being destroyed and broken down. The gut is absolutely critical to understand in this problem of autoimmune, but I would like to kind of jump over to something rather fascinating. There is what's called a peptide, thymosin alpha-1, and if it's deficient, I want to show you a series of, uh, here, let me get that to focus a little bit, a series of symptoms, a flat mole, a bumpy mole, a mole on the forehead, a mole above the lip, moles, these like brown raised spots on the neck, the back. Oh my gosh, who doesn't have these creepy things, right? People go in and have cosmetic and have them removed. Here, here I'm trying to show you this further on the, on the book. 
uh, mole on on the on the abdomen. Oh man, <laughs> I have a thymus and alpha one deficiency. <laughs> oh, it's not a laughing matter. It's not. Here, let's 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 go thir- uh, further. Uh, have you ever had, or do you know of anyone with the, these kind of symptoms? Uh, ulcers on the tongue. Wow. I think people consuming alcohol must cause some deficiency of thymus and alpha-1. Ulcers on the inner cheek. Uh, warts. Wart on the finger. Ooh, yucky. Warts on the soles of the feet. I'm just showing you images for those of you who are listening. Rhinitis, which is runny nose. Okay, here, if I can get that to focus a little better. Sorry about that. Rhinitis, symptoms of flu, right? Here, let me get that to focus if I can get that. Sorry. Oh, okay. Pharyngitis. Okay, so that's kind of a swollen um, down uh, past uh, the throat. And, of course, the flu. Wow. Wouldn't that be interesting if we simply treated people Instead of running around trying to <laughs> trying to vaccinate them, why not consider supplying thymus and alpha one, which I'm cur- currently using for good reason? And also, by the way, look at this for chronic recurrent infection, inflammation, resistant acne, acne scars. I got to tell you, I, I nearly built my whole career on helping people with unhealthy skin, uh, problems related to inflammation of the skin and acne. And of course, for those of you who don't know, I'm the author of the book, uh, Acne Be Gone for Good. Imagine we have now another solution for those stubborn conditions, those people who are having horrific types of acne breakouts. And this is a simple peptide that your doctor could actually order or one of the doctors that I work with. Okay, let's go further. Oral oral herpes, genital herpes, uh, labial herpes, uh, that is on the lip, excuse me, genital her, uh, herpes in the buttocks. Okay, hold on. Again, all thymus and alpha-1 deficiency, which is a peptide. Impaired uh, wound healing. God, we just got done watching the Super Bowl. <laughs> Imagine all the wounds and the injuries. Impaired wound healing in the shoulder. Persistent infected wound of the foot. Skin cancer, breast cancer. Uh, yes. Imagine if we can just intervene at that level and help people with all of these types of conditions, including According to Dr. Terry Hertog in his book, various chronic infections, cytomegalia, hepatitis, HIV, chronic Lyme disease, chronic Epstein-Barr virus, infectious mononucleosis, fever blisters. Oh, man, I can think of so many people who are suffering from these kind of conditions. Thymusin alpha-1 deficiency. Ask your doctor about it. If they don't understand or know, uh, they can get in touch with us. 
uh, right now, and we can kind of jump back into the book because uh, from the book back into the show, I, I want you People to hear. People with celiac disease, they develop a leaky gut as a consequence of gluten, which is from wheat, barley, and rye. And people with celiac disease have a very high incidence of multiple autoimmune diseases because they have this injury to that one cell layer. All right. So that's how you get typical autoimmune diseases. You injure that one cell layer, foreign proteins get into the bloodstream, the body produces antibodies to those foreign proteins. Unfortunately, there are similar sequences of amino acids present on your own tissues. And those tissues can be tissues of the joints, uh, colon, pancreas, kidneys, skin, all kinds of tissues. And as a result, you get these autoimmune diseases like ankylosing spondylitis, Crohn's disease, dermatomyositis, type 1 diabetes, various kinds of inflammatory arthritis, multiple sclerosis, myothenia gravis, psoriasis, rheumatoid arthritis, thyroiditis. It just depends upon where this cross-reactivity takes place. And you can destroy the cells of the skin, the pigment cells. You can destroy the uh, neurologic cells and so on as a consequence. That's how you get autoimmune diseases. But when it comes to multiple sclerosis, you have to cause one further injury. You see, the barrier to the outside world when it comes to the nervous system, there are two barriers. One is the gut, which I just talked to you about. Once the foreign protein gets into the blood, the body makes antibodies against this foreign protein. These antibodies can't affect the nervous system unless they cross one more barrier, and that's called the blood-brain barrier between the blood and the spinal fluid is a barrier called the blood-brain barrier. So not only do you have to have the injury to the gut to get multiple sclerosis, where the foreign protein gets into the bloodstream, the body makes antibodies, but those antibodies produced against that foreign protein have to get into the nervous system by damaging the blood-brain barrier. And here's what Dr. Swank thought caused the damage of the blood-brain barrier. He published a paper in circulation in 1954 describing what he believed to be the problem. Right here in Portland, he did this research. And I just want you to read the title. It's called Intervascular Aggregation and Adhesiveness of Blood Elements Associated with Alimentary Lipemia. You all Wow. Okay, so Dr. Roy Swank, who, who actually, it's interesting because uh, the laboratory that we use, Rhine Consulting Lab, um, we, we, Frank Nort uh, worked directly with Dr. Roy Swank in Oregon. It's kind of a small world. And of course, Nathan Pritikin had um, also befriended Dr. Roy Swank, and, and so did John McDougall. And so it's interesting that this published paper with a rather complex name, and to not get overly um, into this part of it from the medical science end of it, it really is simply a matter of excess fat reducing the flow of oxygen because the red blood cells transport oxygen as we're looking at this sample with too much fat in the background uh, also some microbial excess going on but when the fat coats the blood cells the blood cells can't get through the capillary beds and less oxygen and the, the nerves start becoming damaged and that gradually wears away at what's called the myelin sheath. And the myelin sheath is uh, what protects the nerves. It's kind of like the outer insulation when you look at um, like a cable. You know, you wouldn't cut the cable, the electricity would, would fry you, right? So you're cutting the cable, you're breaking the cable 
to from your brain to your body that communicates. So that's why the nerve damage, the progressive loss. And remember I mentioned about the identical twins? Well, Dr. Roy Swank followed a group of identical twins for 40 years, and he was fortunate that one uh, of the twins in each of the groups he followed was on a very low-fat, whole-foods diet, but they had MS, and the other group had MS, and they went on the typical Western diet, ad-lib, eating as much fat and animal protein and dairy products as they wanted. And I can tell you right now, you can probably imagine what happened the group eating the animal product, the Western diet, loaded with oils, fats, meats, foreign proteins, causing leaky gut, causing less oxygen to, to the nerves. They progressively lost function, unable to walk, eventually unable to breathe, and dying prematurely. While the other twin, who was on a whole food, no added oil type diet, principally plant-based protein, so no foreign animal proteins, no leaky gut, or at least much less. In those individuals, they lived a long, healthy life with some loss because they were originally diagnosed with MS, but they, they didn't die prematurely and have all the symptoms of full-blown MS and loss of the ability to even breathe. Their, their lungs is, is the final thing that usually gives out. Wow. Well, let, let's jump ahead because there's some really shocking and amazing discoveries that I'm about to show you of the ability of fat to travel through the bloodstream, something I've been teaching about for a better part of 40 years. And not many people have been listening until you now recognize over a million people in the United States today have multiple sclerosis. That's just one of the autoimmune diseases. Crohn's disease, leaky gut, gut disorders, arthritis. Oh my gosh, how many people have arthritis? Unbelievable numbers. Let's, let's, let's jump ahead and hear uh, from Dr. Swank here and uh, John McDougall, who's our investigator. Here we go. Sometimes stopping for a period. And so we began to think in terms that this abnormality in the plasma, which we had become suspicious of being present, we began to think that there must be something in the, which is missing in MS or which is abnormal in MS, which prevents this clumping, and that this clumping in MS is, causes damage to the capillary system of the brain. And Mr. Shaw is what we know as a blood-brain barrier. Okay, this is what Dr. Swank showed in the 1950s in his animal experiments. This is the blood elements, the blood cells flowing through the blood of, in this case, it happens to be a hamster cheek pouch. So you see the rapid flow of blood, and then what happens is they feed this particular animal, feed them fat. I know this is a, a, a violation of animal rights, but that's what they did. They fed fat, the fat coated the blood cells, and now the blood cells, they stick together. The reason they stick together is naturally blood cells, they have a, an ability to repel each other. They have a negative charge, and when they hit, they bounce off each other. But when you feed the fat, what happens is the fat coats the red blood cells, and it prevents them from repelling each other, and they adhere together, and they form this sludging phenomena that I just showed you. And this sludging phenomena lasts for about 10 hours. 
Now that's what Dr. Swank showed in hamster cheek pouches, but the same thing has been shown in human beings. Like for example, Dr. Friedman's work that was published in the same journal Circulation back in the 1960s, Dr. Friedman, what he did is he took, uh, in this case, a fireman, took multiple subjects, published in the journal Circulation, set up an experiment where they could look at the circulation directly, and that's to look in the conjunctiva of the whites of the eye, set up the microscope, took this gentleman and several others in the experiment, and fed him one meal, one high-fat meal. The meal happened to be 67% fat. This one meal consisted of two eggs, four strips of bacon, milk, cream, bread, two pats of butter. Any of you ever eat that? Okay, this man had one meal, one meal. This is the conjunctiva of the eye. You see the, uh, the large amount of circulation here. Prior to the meal, he was fed this one high-fat meal, and you see the dramatic reduction in circulation that took place in four hours. Okay. Oh my gosh. I've been saying this. For 44 years, get your fats from the whole nuts and seeds, the whole avocado, the whole coconut. In nature, we didn't have the ability to remove oils. Oils are just concentrated, empty calories with hardly any vitamins and minerals in them. Yes, they do have omegas, but you get the omegas in the whole fibrous nuts, seeds, avocados, olives, eaten in reasonable quantities. Now, Dr. Schwank went on to do it with hamsters, and then they went on to do it with firemen. Yeah, human, you know, firemen, put out the fire, right? Young, healthy guys, and one meal, and if you haven't seen my video, How to Become Diabetic in Six Hours, I was recreating this video on my own body when from eating healthy, whole, natural foods. I consume, you watch me, drink a, a glass of olive oil, which everyone says is good for you. Yes, the olive oil from the olives is good, but olive oil on the skin's okay, but swallowing it? People put olive oil in every recipe thinking it's good for them, but it sludges your blood mechanically. Pritikin said this back in 1978. We studied it. We've known about it for all these decades, and before, after a four-hour meal, there's 67% fat meal. Two eggs, not uncommon, right, for breakfast in the United States, four strips of bacon, milk, cream, bread, two pats of butter. And the, the blood circulation was fine before, but immediately after, which is an increase in triglycerides, we see the damage it does. And it's that lack of oxygen, that lack of oxygen carrying capacity to all the trillions of cells of your body that suffer, not just for four hours after consuming the heavy fatty meal, that ill effect lasts for 12 hours or longer. That's why people are required to fast for their blood tests for eight hours. I rarely fast for my blood tests. I do them postprandial in the middle of the day. I'm showing you the picture of a blood sample. And by the way, the blood sample has fat in the background from this individual not knowing they should not be eating that much fat. If I showed you my blood, which I have on several past shows and recent shows, as I am the blood guy. You remember? I'm the guy who wrote... My gosh, I wrote this book, Blood Doesn't Lie, explaining all of this pathology, the whole situation, the whole ball of wax, in this case, ball of fat, right? Blood doesn't lie. Get real clear about this, people. 
This is the leading cause of a majority of diseases. A majority of diseases. Let's let's go further. This is so exciting to me. I hope you are passionate and excited as I am about it. That's why I've been so frustrated with people. And sometimes people think, oh, you're so arrogant. You're always talking about a plant-based, oil-free, sugar-free, animal protein-free diet. Yes, because it's life-saving. It'll save more lives than any intervention that the pandemic, the doctors on national television are telling you to do. Just stay away from people. People, is that enough? This is the cause of most diseases, folks. Stay with me on this. Please stay with me. I want you to note, this is animal fat we're talking about. When they did the experiments that were published likewise in a major medical journal using vegetable fat, the sludging was more severe and more prolonged using vegetable fat than animal fat. Wow, did you hear that? The fat was more profound, more sludging, worse using the vegetable fat than the animal fat, meaning it lingered in the body longer. Olive oil is worse lingering in the body longer. That doesn't mean you should go run and use butter. It's the frying pan or the fire. What do you want to be burned worse by? Being in the frying pan or in the fire? They're both bad. Get rid of the processed foods. No soap. S-O-A-P, as I think uh, our friend uh, Adriana came up with. No sugar, no oil, no animal product. Or when I say no, little or none. Convert over to more plant-based. But don't go to plant-based oils plant-based essential fats in the whole food as grown, okay? This is the best solution along with uh, the, the, excuse me, along with the thymosin alpha-1, the peptide, along with a high-fiber whole foods diet to help calm down the leaky gut. This is it, guys. That was an amazing show. And now I want to put it all together for you. How do you locate these incredible natural herbs, organic, the best, designed to help you to improve your hormonal balance, give you energy, help you to look and feel great? DocNutrients.com. This is our sponsor. There is a special quiz. Please take the immune system quiz, and it's going to give you some incredible feedback and ideas about how to strengthen your immune system during these troubling times. Be well. It's 2021 and we're here to support you. 